Hello everyone and welcome back to Identity Architects, the podcast that shines a spotlight on individuals who are changing the way that data is used to deliver better customer experiences. I'm your host Ben Cicchetti and this week our Head of Privacy and SVP for Central Europe, Uli Hegg, had the opportunity to speak to Sven Christian Andre, Chief Digital Officer and Managing Director of Klingel Group. Before we join that conversation, a quick reminder to hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy podcasts to know when the next episode of Identity Architects lands. But now, without any further delay, let's join Uli and Sven as they discuss the changing world of retail and the challenges and opportunities that presents. So we finally made it. Unfortunately, due to a pretty severe cold, I caught wire being in England. Um, we had to move this call a couple of times, but I'm really, really excited that we can finally have our wonderful Identity Architects podcast with a very esteemed Dr. Sven Christian Andre. Quick disclaimer, um, I've been sitting on the non-executive board of the Klinge Group for a couple of years now. So I know this sir quite well. and. Um, to actually differentiate him from the CEO of the group, who has all, uh, who has the same name, Sven, I will call Sven Christian Andre by his nomaker Ska. So, and uh, by the way, of course, this is going to be a fun podcast because you will hear two German blokes speaking English. I uh, hope it's going to be interesting. And if you want to make fun of our accent, please feel free. <laughs> so, Scar, great to have you here today. Um, would you be so kind and give us a quick intro and uh, to yourself and the Klinger Group, just a quick overview, what you're doing, um, what is happening? Thanks a lot for having me, uh, Uli, and I'm really happy that you're uh, fine again and you got over your cold and your cough and uh, great fun to, to talk to you here. So first of all, potentially about Klingel Group. Um, uh, Klingel Group is a multi-brand, uh, multi-channel retailer based here in Germany that is focused on the needs of clients of 55 years plus. Uh, multi-brand means that we have, I think at the moment, 17 different brands that are specifically targeted to that group. Multi-channel means that we do a lot of online business, but at the same time do catalogs, uh, telephone and all that stuff um, that we've done for a, for a long time. Um, as, as you mentioned, my name is Sven Christian Andre, called SCAR since a lot of time in uh, a lot of years in my professional life. There's no doctor in front of it, uh, but I, uh, I that, 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 that should be great, would be great, Dr. SCAR. Um, I have a very uh, traditional startup founder career behind me, and it's kind of surprising for me to be in the role of chief digital officer of a company like Kringle, Klingel Group at the moment. But it's really great, and I, I, I love to be part of that journey. I started um, working on software development when I was 15 and uh, founded some companies, uh, worked as a founder most of the time, uh, worked for very interesting clients, and uh, just entered retail by with joining the Klingel Group, I think, seven years ago. Um, and since uh, four years, I'm chief digital officer. And since this year, I'm part of the managing directing team of Klingel Group. Yeah, great. Thank you. 
So, um, having a look at uh, retail as it is right now, there's so much going on. Massive, massive, uh, massive, massive changes accelerated, obviously, by the coronavirus pandemic. Um, what do you think? What are the biggest current challenges? Um, and would you even dare to come up with potential possible solutions, whatever's feasible? And um, yeah, let's keep it at that first. So I personally think that uh, Corona ships and ships stuck in, in channels and stuff like that. This is just going to be the new normal. So we will have changes happening to every industry very fast. And then, of course, in retail and, and especially in the online part, we have uh, compliance things that change. So, so therefore, uh, all companies, and, and, uh, and it's the same with retail, will be working in very different context uh, every, every year and have very different challenges. And while in the past we, we said we need to adapt, continuously adapt to change, change that happens nowadays to me is so intense that uh, you need to start overthinking over and over again anytime because a solution that might not have worked two years ago because of cost, computer power, or any other constraint that was limiting that time might be the right solution for, for the problem today or, or for the context that we're working in today. And, and, and that's what I think is also the main challenge in, 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 in retail. So we need to kind of create concepts of unlearning what we have learned to start over again with uh, with analyzing the situation without without the constraints uh, without the the past uh, experience that we have here and to to us as a as a retail company of course that's um, as I said supply it's um, it's compliance it's data privacy laws changing it's needs of clients changing very very fast. And other competitors growing, uh, old competitors dying or whatever. So it's a, a lot of change happening here. Can you make that a bit more tangible? Like what would be a great example? What has changed or what is changing? What do you have to address? I mean, look at, look at we, we're, we're, we're talking uh, at, at, at data privacy uh, a lot, of course, at the moment. And we have been talking about that a lot. And there have been concepts to approach clients uh, that we tested three or four years ago. And it was just not the, the most efficient way at that point of time. So the cost to value ratio wasn't good enough. We tested QR codes. That's another example. Every company in retail tested QR codes uh, three years ago or five years ago, whatever. And it just didn't work out in most of the cases in Germany. Nowadays, we're used to use QR codes every day with the COVID app and so on. So there might be a totally different leverage to QR codes than it had been uh, three years ago. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So um, if, if you have a look at what's happening and you already outlined a couple of the changes and challenges, um, would you, what would be your tagline if you look at the industry as a whole, retail? Is there one dominant thing? I, I mean, it's changed all over. So that's pretty obvious. 
But apart from that, is there something you believe, oh, wow, um, this is actually the biggest challenge or the biggest opportunity? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that it's really the, the question of direct customer contact or, or how we interact with clients. Um, how will social really work, uh, work out? Uh, how will the platform uh, ecosystems work out? And will it still be possible to have a direct interaction uh, and, and a direct channel to the client um, in, 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 in the future? I think that's still one of the main questions. Uh, or no, not if, but in what way and through what other channels is this going to be possible? And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Of course. Um, if, if we look at the pandemic, um, it's obvious that the digital um, channel, broadly speaking, has grown a lot more popular. And I believe even in the best Asia segment or whatever you call them, where Klinge Group is most present, uh, the adoption has significantly sped up. Um, so what are your thoughts on that development? If you look at, all right, um, even the so-called older people in our country are actually more used to pick up their smartphone and not just looking, browsing, but even buying. Um, how important do you believe is that going to be, especially in the context of what you've just explained? What's the best possible way to interact with a customer directly? I think the question how important it is, is basically uh, related to how we interact with these new online and digital uh, clients to us. And um, right now I have the feeling that not just us, but also other retailers they try to push these clients in the in the in the same on the same tracks that they have done with clients two or three years ago, but in fact those clients chose online out of a totally different reason and they have a totally different initial experience of online than somebody who started ten years ago. So therefore, that's first of all one of the issues I see not just with us but with a lot of other retailers that uh, it seems like we are more looking on past data than on the real change that has happened. And to my understanding, we can just throw away all data that is uh, pre-COVID and, uh, and start over again uh, in, in some areas. And potentially that's part of the future to throw away data that is older than two years because it's just not possible to gain insights from this very different context uh, two years ago. And, and we as a company still tend to look at the long rows of numbers of the last 15 years. And uh, so that's going to be really interesting in, 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 uh, in how those clients going to react. As I said, I think it's mostly a self-fulfilling prophecy with how we interact with them. But there are so many chances of uh, with this new group of digital uh, customers. Yeah, so talking about the chances, the opportunities, what what do you think, which is, what's an obvious win for Klinger Group? And uh, what can you make happen as a CDO of the Klinger Group? We, 
we as a retailer have, or especially with the older target group, we always had a problem how to inspire customers without sending them uh, catalogs, because that has been the way in the past. We sent them huge catalogs and that inspired the customers, and then they ordered through the different channels. And uh, I think with the way that um, that those 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 customers that that were digitalized through COVID interact with their uh, digital devices, uh, there's a huge chance of really finding ways to inspire them through these devices. And that's going to be really important for us as a company, but also uh, in, 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 in regards to sustainability, for example, because of course it's much more sustainable uh, to have a digital interaction with the client than to uh, send out paper, which is certainly one of the valuable resources uh, these days, it's also much more dynamic. So if I send out paper today, the, 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 the products that I advertise and that I use to inspire the client might still be stuck in the ship in, uh, in the Suez channel. And uh, so this, this switch to digital interaction with clients is crucial to us being flexible in with, with all the changing constraints and, 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 and everyday crisis that is growing at us. Oh, yeah. All right. So um, you already mentioned that. So I'd like to get back. Um, and actually, your answer to the last question fits in as well. Um, so this is all data-driven. Data about the availability, data you might have on uh, a given customer you can reach out to and try to inspire, um, try to offer something that might be of interest. So this definitely gets us into the realm of data security and privacy. There's no way around it. And again, we already mentioned that. So um, what are your thoughts? Um, how to address these matters best? Um, do you do anything special if it comes to the um, H segment, Klingel is most active in, is it able to actually educate them? Educate might be the wrong word, like transparency, making them really aware this is going on. This is a benefit, here are the challenges, it's your choice. What are you doing there? Uh, anything special, specific, or basically following the textbook that has been laid out for the retail industry? We've done a lot of uh, research with our customers and uh, specifically to data, data um, uh, privacy, but also to their overall behavior. And um, the paradox that a lot of companies see between what clients say they want and how they behave with our clients is even uh, the gap is even bigger. So we, we, we talk to people and they say it's very important to them, uh, uh, data privacy and so on. At the same time, we have uh, opt-in rates to our, uh, with, with, uh, with uh, our cookie consent layer that are extremely high. So, so the, the paradox is, is, is pretty close there. And based on other research that we've done, we found out that security and insecurity in interacting with digital devices is extremely in, uh, relevant to our customers. So they are insecure and they, they are looking for security. At the same time, they're overwhelmed by all that complexity that data privacy 
provides to them at the moment. And every time we try to educate them, or no, the other way around, every time they think that they understood what they what they should do to do things right, so to don't not to do a mistake, things change again. So they got used to the very basic cookie layer and, and potentially their kids explain to them what it means. And just the moment they got used to it, the new consent layer came up uh, with more, more selection uh, options and so on. So it's really hard for our clients. And that means a lot of responsibility to us because we need to make sure that even if they don't deeply understand what's happening here, and what they should do, that we take this responsibility and make sure that we use their data as it would have been our own. Yeah. So is that, do you consider that actually um, an advantage, a competitive advantage? Uh, because Klingel um, might be an older brand. At the same time, it's definitely a trusted brand um, as far as it is a brand in the traditional sense being like one of the channels, not certainly some, it's not Gucci, obviously, for <laughs> quite a few reasons. At the same time, anything Klingel is rather trustworthy, very German in a way. So why am I wrong? Doesn't that count into, you mentioned the research you've did. Um, so does this come up? or So basically cutting it short, I don't really understand what this is all about, but it's Klingel and I trust them. Is that like it? Or? Yeah, but I wouldn't say it is really a, an, a competitive advantage because this responsibility, if you really know that your client or you can, you can trust that your client understood the consent that it gave, uh, he or she gave to you, you can, you can, there's more space to use the data than if you need to do that decision for your client in a way uh, because they can't do it by themselves. So therefore it is, it sounds like a, uh, competitive advantage because we have more opt-ins and so on, but the, the, the responsibility, uh, makes the boundaries of our, the, of our possible solutions for me personally, um, smaller because we have that trust in our brand and we have those clients and trust us. And the worst thing would really be to show those clients that we were not trustworthy at the end. And so therefore it is a huge challenge to me. If it's an advantage or not, the trust is the advantage. And so we need to make sure that we, we keep that trust as high as possible. Yeah. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. So do you, or do you have a specific wording? or a specific way of explaining what's happening with the data within the Klinger group? Or is that fairly standard, uh, not just to cause more confusion? We, Any thoughts on that? We did research on that too, because there was an idea of really trying to explain it uh, in a very easy way to the clients. And again, research showed that it's more confusing then if they see the same uh, the same inter the, the same user interface the same wording and so on that they've seen in other in other places and at the same time it's extremely hard to make sure that the easy language and the legal requirements are covered in the in the right way 
Um, so therefore, we r rather try to make the experience as used to as possible for our clients. So no surprises that could irritate them and, and, and make them think, what do I do, need to do now? Yeah, got it. Wow. Definitely a challenge there because most of the explanations that are being handed out right now are so typically so complex that even for an expert, and I would consider myself one in this space, um, sometimes I have a really hard time to really understand what the partner is actually doing with the data and what I consent to. So interesting. Um, if, if you would uh, have a look at how you would envision the next steps Maybe while we still, the pandemic might turn into an endemic, it's going to be around, but not that visible. Any, any thoughts on that? Do you believe um, the digital part of your business um, will lose in importance because people would love to get back to the olden ways or... What are your thoughts on that, um, especially in the context, wow, digital is super convenient, at the same time rather complex. Um, the baby boomers are growing into your target segment by now, which is, of course, a great opportunity, talking about chances and opportunities today. Um, do, you, do you have any idea what do you expect there? Um, is that a change for good or even even accelerating after the pandemic situations where some physical stores might have been closed? First of all, I, I really think that the baby boomers coming into our target group is a great uh, opportunity for, for us because it's a very interesting uh, group of people that will, and I mean, we are not too far away from, from that, uh, both it's it's a group that we really feel the same issues in, in in this transformation that is happening between 55 and let's say 70 70 years with a lot of needs and a, but a totally different approach uh, to 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 tackle these needs <clears throat> so it's going to be really interesting for us to find out uh, how they want to tackle it and what their real needs uh, are do a lot of jobs to be done interviews and other ways of research uh, on the other side, to me, the biggest challenge for every single thing will be uh, the climate crisis and the way it's going to change our business, the way it's going to change the way customers think, the way it's going to uh, make whatever burning, burning forests uh, implicate how we get... Uh, how we get our, our products, uh, the way we think about if it does make sense to really ship products through half the world, uh, the way customers will think about consume overall, uh, and so on. So I, I really think that this phase of extreme uh, change will at least, and an extreme change of context and, and um, unpredictability uh, will continue for the next couple of years. I still can see uh, some, some, some getting to a bit more constant uh, way of living again uh, in, in, in whatever, 10 years. But for the next couple of years, it's really going to be a huge challenge of how P 
people will react to this, uh, to the climate crisis and uh, how we can do business in a sustainable way. And I'm pretty sure that uh, digitalization will be one of the huge things there to help uh, get over this issue or to deal with this issue. Yeah. So you look um, at this, if it's about the supply, uh, supply chain. So if it comes to marketing sales, that's pretty obvious that it's, or maybe haven't really thought about that, to be honest. Um, is it more sustainable sending out mails um, and uh, coming up with dynamic, fully dynamic websites and apps? Does that cost less resources than producing a catalog? I would guess so, but I haven't seen any analysis on that. So just, <laughs> just saying. Um, on the other hand, if you look at the supply chain, the data, you're seeing what people are searching for, what are they actually buying, what um, offers they respond to. Do you believe that can play a part in this trend towards and the very much needed? It's not, yeah, it is a trend at the same time, it's mandatory, right? So um, any thoughts on that, how you can actually combine that? Can the digital channel be a driver of this or is that completely independent? Change the supply, way we see the supply chain. Yeah, it's the data you're gaining from direct interactions with your uh, customers that actually driving behavior in the supply chain. That might be a better way to phrase it. Yeah, I, I, again, on a, on, a, on a meta level, providing the right product with the right qualities to the customer uh, will be a very important thing to reduce the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the quantity of supply needed, of course, and it would also have a huge impact of, uh, of the overall supply chain. And we will need to help our suppliers, but also our logistic partners and so on to get a better understanding of what clients really, uh, really need, because we have that interaction with the client, we have that data. And um, so, so, so that is certainly linked, linked together. Um, but again, I don't, we need to make sure that the data that we analyze is not just fulfilling our, uh, our biases and is not just a self-fulfilling prophecy of what we, how we interact with clients nowadays. So to me, it's extremely important to really do research and very good research to understand um, what client needs and then try to uh, confirm this through data to find out, out if that's really uh, how they behave. Uh, so to make sure that research and reality fit to each other. But just based on data, this is certainly not enough in the, in the way the world changes at the moment. That's indeed a super interesting um, discussion. We could dive even deeper into, but there are time constraints. So unfortunately, I'd like to move over to round of quickfire questions, if you're up to it. Okay. All right. So um, your earliest memory of retail, like, like really earliest, 
I think there are two things that I remember as a kid. One is there was a hardware store in the in the small village, you know, in the small town next to the village I grew up in. And they had whatever four or five houses connected to each other. And if you wanted something that just except food, they found it. And there were people there would really know where everything was. And that was really amazing. And the other thing was catalogs. It really, for me as a kid, browsing through these huge catalogs where every product I could imagine was was in, uh, that inspired me. And of course, it, 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 I wanted to have this and that and so on. So that was really a very inspiring uh, interaction with retail without me ever getting one of those things that I wanted out of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I do remember these days as well. So there were basically three catalogs, Neckermann, non-existent anymore, Quelle, non-existent anymore, and Otto doing fine. And um, it's, it always came down to trying to persuade your parents, like, have a look at this. Wouldn't it be great? And yeah, it never really materialized yeah no nope. i do remember this but uh, i i thought it was a great inspiration true so would that be the gold standard you try to aspire to or achieve no basically the gold standard would be to inspire by five products that are really relevant to the customer and not for him or her to needing to to uh to browse through a 1,200 pages, pages catalog as we did, which was mainly a waste of our time or a use of our time. And <laughs> so it's not the gold standard. Yeah, all right. I, I get that. But at the same time, I, I think it was just fun. It anyway, was. all right. Your very first job. I, <laughs> I, I worked with my hands for, for one week in my life. That was when I was 15 and I had a, a summer job in a machine tooling factory. Um, and uh, I should have worked there for five weeks. And I worked there for five weeks, but after one week, I suggested them to redo the, their time tracking system because what they had was just shitty. And that was the first time I started to write software for money. And uh, so it was really, but still it's, it's a memory really working, getting dirty and, and see the others working. Even if it's just a week, it was uh, that that was very important for me. And from that moment on, I found out that uh, you can earn money by writing software. Did you get more money for programming than you were supposed to do in the factory? Not in the first, uh, not in the first four weeks, but, um, but, that was rising pretty quickly after that. I, I continued uh, writing software for them, and that was also the start of other companies seeing what I did, like, for example, IBM, and then uh, they started to pay much, much better. And uh, so there was no no wish to go back to the original job. I see. All right. So um, you have had so far quite an esteemed career and doing very interesting things in your life. Um, looking back at that, what would you actually recommend to yourself, say to yourself, um, back to your old self when you actually started out? In the past, I always often looked uh, who is around me and how can that person help me in a specific task? And I think that's the wrong approach. You really make, 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 need to make sure that you understand the specific task and then look for the best expert to support with you. So 
surround yourself with the best people for each specific task would certainly be um, one of the uh, main things that I would tell Jimmy about. And if I would have known that earlier, things might be different. I don't know if really better, but uh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, was about, I was about to ask. Yeah, yeah but pretty sure more successful in a, in a business sense. Hmm. You're not exactly unsuccessful. But anyway. No, not, not really, but I mean, the sky's <laughs> the limit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, would you, if, if there's one thing you love about your the job you're doing right now uh, the industry and or the industry you're in what would that be well talking about industries i've worked in whatever seven or eight different industries and i found out each of them is high tech each of them is really very sophisticated and uh, starting with uh, with machine tooling and, and 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 so on so therefore to me, every industry I've worked in is, is a huge, has been a huge experience. And I'm pretty sure that this is really for every industry. What I really love about my job now is to be part of an, an incredible journey of a hundred year old company that has changed a lot over these hundred years of survived uh, wars and, 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 so, and so on. So in this hundred years, the change that is happening right now is just a small step. But for us, of course, it's really turning the company and the way we provide value to the clients upside down and I really be and would love to be part of that together with the family that owns the company together with the management team and of course together with all the teams that are working on this change it's mm -hmm. great cool we kind of indirectly touched on identity identity this is the identity architects podcast um, though it's not necessarily only about identity but sure enough, actually, when we talk about uh, addressability, uh, personalization, and so on, it all comes down to identity. How would you explain the term identity, maybe to one of your kids? In fact, I, I have a nine-year-old, and I needed to start. Uh, he, he now has a small mini-Mac in, uh, in his room. Uh, and I needed to start talking him about uh, that, and uh, I think a year ago. And what I tried to explain to him is that the internet, which for him is just abstract, but it, it's needed to be that way, looks at him as we look on a figure on a on a playing game. So, so basically, what the internet sees is not him himself, but the moves that he does in the on the internet. And um, I don't know if he really got it, but it made him understand that every move he does in the internet kind of makes the internet see what he what he what he does and and understand what he what he does. And um, yeah, this is how I try to explain it uh, to him. And I still think it does make sense to to really talk about two different identities. I mean, we both have an identity, but if we are talking professionally about identity, it's something totally different. It's a an identity of a digital clone or whatever of, of ourselves within within this, this this world. And so we can define that identity in uh, online uh, while of course we cannot change our identity of Uli and Sven. Oh, who knows? Anyway, no, <laughs> not. <laughs> All right. Um, so let me combine two questions, actually. So 
both. What actually keeps you awake at night these days as well as and what makes you get up in the morning and what excites you, um, what motivates you. Maybe these are interlinked or not. I'm not quite sure. There's one interesting thing. I sleep better since I since I, 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 I realized a lot of things about my personal impact. So really not trying to, to wake up for operational issues. But overall, what makes me wake up is the fear of being too slow for the change that is happening. And this is really something that bothers me uh, in, a lot of, uh, in a lot of matters, just being too slow. And, and that would be such a pity if at the end, one year or so, would make the difference between success and, and failure in that change. I, I really still love waking up in the morning and thinking about getting to work and, and meeting the people uh, either, either in person or in Zoom that I work with. And, um, and that works out really for most of the days. I just, when I came back from vacation last time, I was so much looking forward to getting back to the office. Then I saw in my calendar that the first meeting was about three year planning. And so my, <laughs> <laughs> my joy kind of was, uh, bumped down a bit, but apart from the, the things that just need to be done, it's really, it is, uh, great to work with great people. If, if you look at what we've discussed so far, um, pretty wide-ranging at the same time, definitely a couple of key topics, data attached to that identity, even though not that, uh, not ex that explicit, the data going forward, not trying to um, actually be predictive out of the outdated data, if I got you right, plus definitely the impact all this is having on how do we how are we going to live in the actually near future not long distance if it comes to climate change sustainability and and so on so given these rather broad uh, topics at the same time definitely connected to each other anything we missed anything that's really important to you um you would like to talk about or having mentioned? To me, really having a clear theoretical model to build on is extremely important. And I think like how organizations work, how, how customers interact with, the, with, the, with you, how supply chains work and so on. And I really think that we need to spend more time making sure that we really understand the underlying not changing uh, patterns and theoretical models to then being able to uh, understand what impact the changes have on these theoretical models. So like, for example, I'm pretty sure that organizations will need to change to adapt these, uh, these, the overall change. And you need to understand how organizations are successful and how they, how they uh, build and how communication works to change the organization in a way that it's still successful and uh, adapted to the new challenges. And therefore, you need to have that deep theoretical understanding of how organizations work. And that's right. the case for many things. Interesting. Um, interesting in the way that I believe you could do a separate podcast about this topic, because uh, though it sounds rather theoretical, 
talking about an abstract model, at the same time, the impact it's going to have on the organization and what it produces and how it actually markets these things is, of course, like enormous. All right. Unfortunately, this won't be about that today. Maybe we're picking this up at some point later. Um, if you would feel like it, what would be, would you be open to either thing or just name the soundtrack of your life? So many songs in my head all the time. But I'm pretty <laughs> all right. Name I'm a pretty, few. <laughs> pretty, pretty sure on the on the private my private life it would be just uh, more smooth uh, music happening, and in my professional life it's rather a pretty dirty punk song. So it's it really it 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 changes. We need pace we need off. names, Scott. We need names. We need the artist and the song, or plural. Fine with both. Private, private life, me and Bobby, Bobby McGee from Chris Christopherson, because uh, the phrase freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose is really, to me, still one of the most important things in, 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 in my life. And um, for the professional life, I think everything from Green Day uh, to <laughs> international, because for me, it's rather German punk, so it's harder on, on an English podcast, but really everything from, from Green Day would be part of my uh, the soundtrack of my life wow i okay so i don't dare to ask you for your favorite song uh, I, I, let's stick with it yeah so scar it was such a pleasure to have you on this podcast um great we finally made it um I, it's pretty obvious if i and i already summarized a few of the topics we touched and we talked about um, it's pretty obvious that your job is going to be one of the most critical uh, you can possibly think of if it comes to retail in a digitalized world. Um, would you agree? <laughs> it's hard to agree, but I, I, I think that the overall process that I'm leading at the moment will be the most one of the most challenging and important things, uh, of course. It's, I, I still don't think that it's an individual person that is so important, but uh, it's the process and the overall, uh, the overall change in that direction that will be really crucial for, for surviving for most of the companies. Excellent. Perfect last words, I'd say. Thank you so much. Uh, again, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great pleasure. A massive thank you to Sven for joining us for the latest episode of Identity Architects. The world of retail media is evolving at a rapid pace. That's why throughout October and into November, we're sharing a ton of information on how retailers, brands, media owners, and more can collaborate to create new privacy-first retail media ecosystems that power shopper marketing, offsite activation, measurement, CRM augmentation, and much, much more. So be sure to head over to infosum.com for the latest information. And all that leaves for me to do is remind you to subscribe to the podcast and thank you for listening.